freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches it's critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, oraclebroadcasting.com. Today is Sunday, October 21st, 2012. This show is live every Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. East Coast time. We have a good show lined up for you here today. I'm going to be talking about solutions, continuing our ongoing solutions section to the problems that humanity faces in consciousness. Today we're going to be talking about the power of true positive thinking and one's responsibility to teach others once they have acquired an accurate understanding of, in fact, what is taking place in our world. So that's coming up today on the show. Before we get started, I have some event announcements and I want to tell people about why I haven't been on the air the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on that. Just to say that three weeks ago, it was a scheduled um, uh, uh, rebroadcast. The last two weeks were not planned. I was planning on being on the air over the last two weeks, but technical difficulties made that impossible. I've been having uh, some problems with my main computer, which uh, I'm not going to get into the details of, uh, just to say that it really... Um, uh, set me back as far as work that I wanted to be getting done and was not able to do that due to some technical problems. And three weeks ago, I was, of course, one of the speakers at the Pennsylvania MUFON East Coast Conference. So that was, again, a scheduled rebroadcast. And I want to say thank you to all the people who made that conference possible. Um, it was just uh, an awesome event and I was really uh, proud to have been a part of it. I want to thank John Ventry, uh, Jennifer Stein, Michael Melton, Bob Gardner, Jeff Strauss, Michael Falsetta, and everyone else who was involved with the Pennsylvania MUFON East Coast Conference. I really especially want to send a shout out to Travis Walton, who uh, to me was probably the most impressive speaker there. Uh, I'd like to really thank all of the speakers. Everybody who was a speaker at that uh, conference was really, really great. And um, it just went over much better than I even anticipated. So it was really great to be involved in that. Um, 
I want to send a thank you out to John Tavani who helped me get back up and running uh, due to some of the technical problems that I had um, by um, uh, really helping out and making a donation for a part that I needed. So, uh, John, thanks very much. And uh, I probably wouldn't have gotten back up as quickly as I did if it were not for his help. So, um, with that having been said, let's jump into some of the really big event announcements now that people know why I've been away for the last couple of weeks. Um, the Free Your Mind 2 conference, of course, coming up here in Philadelphia, April 25th, 26th, and 27th of 2013. Free Your Mind returns to Philadelphia with a three-day conference featuring top-caliber whistleblowers from across the country who will shed light upon our world's problems and bring forward empowering solutions. This unique event will build upon the success of the first Free Your Mind conference with a continued focus to spread awareness on the topics of consciousness, mind control, subversive occult influences, holistic body, mind, spirit, health, and solution-oriented approaches to the problems humanity faces in these challenging times. The location, the Arch Street Meeting House at 320 Arch Street here in Philadelphia. Doors will open at 8 o'clock a.m. each day. And ladies and gentlemen, the big announcement, of course, many people have already seen this on the Free Your Mind website, but we have confirmed for the Free Your Mind conference for Free Your Mind 2. Kathy O'Brien and Mark Phillips, the authors of the book, The Transformation of America. Yes, they will be speaking, both of them speaking at Free Your Mind 2 on April 25th, 26th, and 27th, 2013. We're going to be announcing when we finish uh, confirming all of the guest speakers, we're going to be announcing a, a schedule coming up in the near future. The featured speakers booked so far, we have 22 confirmed speakers, probably going to be booking an additional two or three when it's all said and done. But right now, confirmed, Alan Steinfeld, Alfred Weber, Andrew Bashago, Ben Stewart, Bob Tuscan, Kathy O'Brien, Curtis Davis, Dr. Dream, Freighter X, Freeman Fly, Jan Irvin, Jay Parker, Jim Fetzer, Larkin Rose, Laura Eisenhower, Lennon Honor, myself, Mark Passio, Lorraine Moray, Mark Phillips, Randall Carlson, Ross Ben, and Sonia Barrett. Just a, a tremendous lineup of speakers. The, the lineup is getting better and better. The ticket prices are priced extremely reasonably with the Thursday conference, only $30. The Thursday meet and greet with light vegetarian cuisine is going to be $20. The Friday conference, $40. Saturday conference, $40. And if you get the entire package, including the meet and greet, $120 for advanced ticket uh, sales. I'm going to, again, implore people, please, if you plan on being at the Free Your Mind Conference, get your tickets in advance. Advanced ticket sales are better than making a donation for the effort because it's going to help us to pay for all of the expenses involved in putting a conference of this size on. We have to fly the speakers out to the, to the uh, Philadelphia area. We have to lodge them in hotels. We have to pay for te uh, technological costs, for printing costs, for advertising. We're getting thousands and thousands of uh, five by seven postcards printed up to promote for this event all across the Philadelphia region. So please, if you can, get your tickets in advance. First of all, you'll be saving money instead of getting them at the door. 
And the further in advance you get them, you will be helping us to host the conference by helping us to offset all of those costs for travel arrangements and for uh, promotional uh, needs. So again, I, I can't implore people enough. If you know you're going to be going to the Free Your Mind conference, now is the time to buy your tickets. A, a, an advanced ticket sale is better than a donation. So with that being said, the next event announcement, uh, well, actually one more thing on the Free Your Mind conference. We are still very, very light in the way of organizers for this conference. And we really wanted, wanted to set up some teams of organizers, but we can't even do that. And we're, each organizer is really having to focus uh, almost entirely on, you know, each uh, on the whole effort as far as um, promotion and um, booking and uh, fundraising. Fundraising is something I really wanted to try to hand off to a secondary team, but we don't even have enough organizers to do that. So really the core group of organizers is being overworked. We, we need more dedicated people if they want to become involved um, to really, and people who are uh, self-driven, you know, who can take initiative. That's what we're looking for here. People with some organizational skills that understand what this conference is about, why it needs to be hosted, and who can take initiative to um, help to organize it and host events. If you're of the, that skill set and you live in the Philadelphia area, please get in touch with me at mark at freeyourmindconference.com or mark at whatonearthishappening.com and uh, you, you know, I'll let you know how you can get involved in helping to organize this great conference coming up. But we still need help. So, uh, and hardly anyone has really come forward and stayed, you know, uh, dedicated to uh, this effort and really I guess worked on their own, you know, uh, shown initiative on their own to really uh, help make this better. Uh, the core team cannot do it alone. There's only a few of us, and um, we definitely still need more help. So again, that call is is going out there once again. Let's move on with another event announcement. The Truth, Freedom, Prosperity documentary night will be taking place. Uh, at the last Thursday of this month, as it always is, October 25th, 2012, at 6.30 p.m., a 6.30 sharp start time at a scene food market and cafe, 719 South 4th Street here in Philadelphia. This month, Truth, Freedom, and Prosperity is going to be screening the film Ethos. Ethos is a documentary hosted by Hollywood actor Woody Harrelson. It's a documentary that takes a look at where the United States is heading as a society in the 21st century and explores the mechanism in our systems that work against personal liberty. I think Harrelson did a good job in hosting this film. The film brings up a lot of interesting points. So we're going to be screening it as part of the Truth, Freedom, Prosperity documentary uh, screening and discussion evening as part of Truth, Freedom, Prosperity. For more information on these film screenings and all of the work that Truth, Freedom, Prosperity does, please visit their website at truthfreedomprosperity.org. The What on Earth is Happening ad-free chip-in effort has been reset. The new chart is online. We already received one donation. It is. It stands at $50 right now for the next three-month period. We need to raise approximately $1,000 by January 31st in order to keep the show ad-free through the February, March, and April time period. So that has been reset, and if you're in a position to do so, any 
uh, donations, no matter what size, are welcome and appreciated to keep the show ad-free. Okay, so let's move on to our topic for today. And this topic, um, I'm introducing two basic solutions today. And if we get through them all, we'll open up the phone lines and take your thoughts on uh, these and really any solutions that we have talked about so far. So, as always, you can go to the What on Earth is Happening radio show page if you're not already listening through that page. And underneath the player there on the page, you can see images for today's show. Now, we've looked at image number one, which was the Free Your Mind 2 uh, poster. And by the way, let me just say this. If anyone wants to do any promotion for the Free Your Mind conference on your own, you just download these posters, print them out. You know, that's why they're up on the site. Just print them out and you can, uh, you know, promote in your local area, uh, especially if you're around the Philadelphia area or greater Philadelphia area. That would help a lot. So um, anyone that wants to do that on their own, just feel free to go right ahead, put them in coffee shops, bookstores, libraries, etc. And anywhere where there's people who are gathering and who may be thinking a little bit, um, feel free to do some promotion for the conference on your own. So image number two is the entire solutions section, which I call the way out. And image number three is simply the grassroots solutions for real positive and lasting change, which we've been talking about on the show for several weeks. I have 10 basic solutions uh, that I list in the solutions section. We've already covered, I believe, eight of them or uh, seven of them. And we're going to be covering uh, two of the last three today. I'm skipping over uh, the use of entheogens in a conscious context because I want to dedicate a little bit more time to that topic and also more likely than not have some guests come on the show to talk about that topic as well. So um, that's going to be coming up in a future What on Earth is Happening shows dealing with solutions. Today, of course, we're going to be talking about the power of true positive thinking, which is different than the concept of positive thinking as put forward in the New Age movement. So we're going to talk about what that really is. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the responsibility that each one of us has to use the power of our voice to teach others. Once we have understood what is really taking place around us, that is not the end. That is the beginning. And it is the beginning of us taking full grasp of our responsibility to go out and bring that message of awareness and freedom to other people, whether they're ready to hear it or not. So these are the two topics I'm going to touch on today. But let me give the call-in number before I even jump in so people can get in the queue. Hopefully there will be time for calls in the uh, last hour of the, the second hour of the show. So the call-in number for the show today is 866-841-1065. Once again, the call-in number, 866-841-1065. So let's jump in with positive thinking and what this really means. What, what is this all about? You hear that a lot you know, stay positive, think positive, you know, don't get down on things. And whether people can hear it in my voice or not, uh, I'm, I am not always the best at following this knowledge of remaining in a positive mental attitude. Um, I find myself slipping out of this mode constantly. And a lot of times it does seem hopeless to me. So, Again, knowing the path and walking the path are two different things. This is one I struggle with the most and still do. I said this even before in my 
uh, presentations uh, on the videos on my website, and I have not really fully been able to conquer that in myself, and that no one is perfect. Everyone is still growing and struggling in their own ways, and um, this is one that I struggle with the most. I know that my mental attitude should be improved and better. I try to be a realist as well and look at things from a realistic perspective, but at the same time, um, what the true meaning of positive thinking is about is not this new age notion that um, if we only focus on the positive, that that's what we'll get and we'll be keeping the negative away from us if we never talk about it. Please do not interpret what I'm saying as that. Nothing could be farther from the truth. This is a new age deception as far as I'm concerned and is, it is put out there by the dark occultists. And many well-meaning people have accepted it and grafted onto it and are teaching false information as far as I'm concerned. When you ignore the negative as far as far as I'm concerned, you're going to get more of it because you're not addressing the causal factors that led to that negative manifestation. So to ignore something is the worst thing that you could possibly do. To address it and be realistic about what caused it is the best thing that you can do. To try to learn the causative factor, the causative agents that led to that particular manifestation that you do not want is what you do need to be doing. So to, to address the dark aspect and to address the uh, the shadow side of things is one of the most important things if any solution could possibly be worked out. That doesn't mean you dwell on it and let it consume you and let it take over your entire mindset and poison you with negative energy because you know the true nature of how negative things really are right now in our world. The the aspect of positive thinking I'm trying to explain to people is, and again, I can't tell you I'm perfect at this because I'm most certainly not. Again, I have, have the understanding but perhaps have not developed wisdom in this aspect yet, and I'll be the first to admit it. Um, because putting it into direct practice in one's life and keeping it there is what wisdom is all about. While I understand the power of this solution... Uh, I may not be the person who applies it in one's life the best, or maybe not even that well at all. So I'm being directly honest about that, okay? So, and, and this has been more true recently than at any other time uh, in the past for me, especially with things, you know, technologically falling apart on me. Maybe that was, you know, to really think about what I'm going to be saying here and, and being honest about it and talk about it a little bit more because I don't want to get up here and tell people that everything is going to be fine. That's the last thing you're going to hear from me. Things, there is a possibility for things to work out and there's also a possibility for things to go to hell. What's going to uh, determine that outcome is what kind of willpower we put behind the the. Uh, our desire to see a particular manifestation happen. And I think I do do that very effectively. I have willpower and I employ it. As far as maintaining a positive mental attitude throughout that process, that's a different story. Because you can easily take a look around and see how bad the situation is. I think everybody who listens to this show and is even partially aware of what's going on in our world can acknowledge that. 
things are not good, things are not where we want them to be, the world is in darkness and ignorance. But in the respect that I'm talking about true positive thinking, it doesn't mean you don't look at that negativity. It means that you look at it and you try to make an honest assessment of it. And then you try to use your employer willpower to change that situation by using the power of your voice and your knowledge to bring that to other people in as wide of a way as it is within your power to do it. And never stopping and giving up doing that. And what you're really thinking positive about is your own ability. You know, it's, it's faith in oneself, which if you really know what your capabilities are and you know the self, it's not even a matter of faith. It's a matter of knowing what your capabilities are, knowing what your limitations are, and then using them to their fullest extent and employing constant effort, constant effort, constant willpower behind that. And never giving up, regardless of what the outcome looks like, regardless of how dark and dreary the future may look, you're going to do it anyway. You're going to continue to do that, make that effort and employ that will, regardless of what the outcome is going to be. I'm not going to stop doing this no matter what the outcome is, in some form or fashion. You know, I constantly think about just completely giving up because, oh, it's not having an impact, it's not having an effort. I don't care whether it is or not. How about that? It doesn't matter. I'm going to do what I know is right regardless of what kind of an outcome or an effect it has. It doesn't make a difference. I know what the truth is. I'm going to speak that until the day I die. And that's it. That's the kind of willpower that, that it's going to take to get out of our current mess that we've worked ourselves into. So the power of true positive thinking has nothing to do with refusal to look at what makes you uncomfortable as proposed by the New Age movement. They say that's going to draw more of that to you, and that's utter nonsense. You know, looking at a potential destructive energy coming toward you and then making yourself aware of what that is and then taking the necessary uh measures and precautionary steps to perhaps strengthen yourself and insulate yourself from the damage that that's going to cause is true intelligence. It has absolutely nothing to do with drawing that to you. That has come from mind controllers that want people not to understand what's really going on in the world because what's going on in the world is very negative and they don't want people to look into it because they don't want people to understand the causal factors involved in the problem. Because if you do not understand the causal factors of the, what is creating that negative manifestation, you're powerless to ever change it. So this injection of this false teaching of positive thinking in, into the New Age movement is actually done by people who want the status quo to remain just as it is. What I'm talking about here is what I call true positive thinking. And again, we have to make the distinguish. We're using the same term, but we're, we're separating it from this new age notion of positive thinking, of never looking at the negative. We're separating this from that. And I'm calling it true positive thinking. And what this means is honestly assess the situation, but, you know, 
work with a positive mental attitude in mind. If you're constantly thinking that it's hopeless and there's no point in doing it, you're not going to want to get up and make the effort. You know, you, you can't just sit there and say, well, it's an impossibility. It may look like it may not be willed into existence right now from where we're at. I'll be the first to admit that. But that doesn't mean I think that it's not possible. See, and this is where we have to make a big, uh, a clear distinguishment between can and will. And true positive thinking in the sense that I'm talking about engages the can part of it. Your actions then engage the will part of it. The thinking part is about what is possible. And then your actions, you're working with what you have to work with to attempt to will that into existence. So let me see if I can put this in a little bit of a clearer way. The, the possibility of what can be done is involved in worldview healing. If someone is of the attitude that it's impossible, okay, you can never create change. It isn't even possible. That capability doesn't exist. Things are the way they are, for, for, ha, have always been, are now, and always will be just as they are. You hear this from so many people who you try to explain about what's going on. And even if they admit to some of the negative, they're like, well, it's just always been like that. and You're not going to change it. And neither am I. This is part of the argument that I hear for people saying, why do you even bother to do what you're doing? Why do you even take up one millisecond of your day attempting to explain anything to anybody because it's never going to change anything? They believe it cannot be changed. See, now this is real negative thinking. To actually have gone so far into a dark worldview that your entire mental attitude is that change is completely impossible. It is not even possible to change anything. In that aspect, people who have accepted that dark and poisonous worldview, I say to them, well, what you've just basically accepted is that you're in hell and you deserve to be there, and you're, there's no possibility for you to ever get out of that torture. And they're okay with that usually. They usually th don't even offer an argument to that, because ultimately the same kind of person who is in this negative, poisoned worldview that believes that change is impossible is the same kind of person who ultimately hates themselves and is in a state of extreme self-loathing and somewhere in their subconscious mind they feel they deserve what they have. They feel they deserve the enslavement that they have and should continue to experience it. And an even darker part of their worldview is they actually believe and have accepted deep in their subconscious is, is that so should everybody else continue to experience this suffering. Just because they are in a self-loathing worldview, they, they not only hate themselves, they ultimately deep down inside have no love for anyone. Because if you don't love yourself, you can't display love for anyone else. So this extreme negative thinking about change being impossible is what I'm talking about overcoming. It isn't to say that change won't be extremely difficult to achieve. If I said that, I wouldn't be a realist. Okay, from where we're at, it's a long shot, folks. From where we're at, in the 100 per, practically 100% total attachment to illusions and deception and lies, which people have wholeheartedly accepted as reality, as their reality, 
and believe that that is how it must be. Don't think that this is going to be an easy ride to create real change because it's not. It's going to be a war, a war, and nothing short of warfare in the spiritual and mental domains and possibly the physical domain. Very possibly. So uh, I'm not saying that it's going to be easy. Please do not confuse anything I'm saying with that either, okay? What I'm saying is if you start from the poisoned worldview that change is impossible, you might as well just sit back and do nothing because if you, that's what you believe, why would you bother to say a thing? Why would you bother to try to change anything? And, you know, this goes for people that believe that it's impossible for individuals to change too, not just as a society. But a lot of people think, you know, a lot of people would look at my background from the Church of Satan and say, well, this guy is a disinfo agent. He can't possibly be saying anything that's true or real because look at where he came from. And this is more, this is an, a deeper part of the poisoned worldview aspect that everything is eternally the way that it is and cannot change. We talked about the concept of the we are worldview. You know, humanity is this, and that's eternal. You know, it's always been like that, is this way now, and always will be that way. People have to understand, as long as that's your mental attitude, you're done. You're enslaved. You are owned, owned, wholesale. In 100% in totality, you are owned, if that's your mental position. This is what I'm talking about when I, I'm talking about developing true positive thinking. Everyone is not an agent. People who came even from an institution that is working toward the goal of evil have a potential in their mind, in their heart, in their soul to change themselves. Just because someone was once affiliated with someone who's working toward the dark doesn't mean that they could not have turned their life around and worked toward the light. You know, and you get so much of this in the, um, you know, quote-unquote freedom movement, the, the my freedom movement that wants to talk about everybody being an agent. So many people, you know, are of this completely poisoned worldview, mind-controlled uh, state of mind and don't understand individuals can change. They can change. And if you really pay attention to what people are saying, that's what you need to do instead of just looking at a particular background or an affiliation. You need to pay attention to what the person is really saying, and that's how you're going to gain a holistically intelligent view of what the person is really about. Because you're going to hear it for, you know, and, look, and filter it through the mental process, but in, in following their work for a long period of time, you're also going to get a feel for their heart from an intuitive aspect. And that's what real intelligence is. It is not just left brain filtration. It is not just logical deductions. It is also about intuitive processes and feeling the heart of another being. And this is what many people still lack the understanding of. So the, in the sense, the true positive speak, speak, the true positive thinking that I'm talking about here is one, maintaining first and foremost, Faith, I'll use the word faith, okay? But really what it is, is, is deep 
introspective knowing of what your own capabilities are and being honest with yourself, an honest self-assessment, let's call it that, with your capabilities, resources, knowledge, etc. And continuously maintaining an attitude of, I can do this work. I can go out there and help to affect change in others. You know, I, th I believe that is possible. That's, that's what we're talking about when we say, when I'm using faith in this connotation. If I didn't believe that that was possible, that's a positive belief. That's a, a true belief. It isn't believing in something you can't prove. I can prove I have the will to, to go on and forge forward, regardless of what you know, the current situation may look like. That's self-belief in oneself. And that's what I'm talking about here as part of true positive thinking. That's that glass being half full aspect. Well, okay, most of the world is in darkness, but I'm not in darkness. You know, that's where you're looking at the glass being half full, that perspective. And I am capable of helping to affect change in others with the power of my voice and, and putting forward my knowledge and understanding out there freely for other people. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about true positive thinking. It's, it's faith in oneself, a, an honest self-assessment of one's capabilities, and then it's willpower and courage to go out and put that out into the world. It's believing that change is possible for other people in addition to yourself. You have to know that change is possible. Then you have to embody that change. Then you have to go out with the attitude, I also believe others can make this change. It is possible for them because it was possible for me. Nothing is eternal. There is no such thing as eternal programming. That it has to be that way. Whenever I hear, well, it's always been that way and it has to be that way. Why? Why would anything have to be an eternal way? except natural law. Natural law has nothing to do with man's choices. Okay? Man has free will to choose how he will be as long as he's not violating natural law. So you have free will to choose how you will be, but not without consequence. This is part of what understanding natural law comes down to. You have to understand you can change yourself what you can't choose free, through your free will is to attempt to break natural law without consequence. There's going to be consequences if that's what you want to turn your free will toward doing. Oh, sure, you can go and do it, but again, not without consequence. Okay, There's always going to be repercussions for breaking natural law. When I'm talking about creating positive change, you have to know that it is possible to do, that nothing is eternally a certain way that it happens to only be the current condition. See, this is where the other aspect of worldview poisoning comes into this. You could say this is part of worldview healing. It's, it's, part, of, it, it's part of the process of worldview healing. It's what you're going to use once you have begun to heal the worldview. You're going to use this solution of maintaining this positive mental attitude to continue the work that you're doing. If I didn't have any part of this, if I didn't know any part of it, I say I need improvement in this regard, but at the same time, if I didn't have any part of this working for myself, I probably would have given up 
with encountering all the problems over the last couple of weeks that I've had because it's been rough, okay? And I'm tired, okay? And it takes effort and willpower to keep wanting to go on. The energy level that I'm at working with right now is definitely at a low. But that doesn't mean I'm going to just say, oh, s screw it, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to continue to use whatever's there as long as I'm drawing breath. And again, that's what will is all about. That's what care is all about. So what I'm saying here as part of this is, regardless of what the outcome may look like it's going to be, never give up. Refuse to disengage the will. Once the will is disengaged, you're done. So part of this worldview healing is looking at the potential for others to change and realizing that that's possible, that there's no such thing as an eternal way that something must be. There's only current conditions. That's why, you know, the, the negative aspect of, of worldview poisoning is one of the negative aspects of the poisoned worldview is believing that things are eternally the way they are and must be that way for some reason. See, this is part of somebody being so beaten down that they have accepted that something must eternally be that way. And again, I, I call it the acceptance of hell. That you're in hell and you just accept that, you're, that that's where you're at and you belong there for some reason. And so does everyone else. Well, I don't accept that this realm is just simply an eternal prison I believe we're creating the conditions. I don't believe we're creating the conditions. I know we're creating the conditions. We have free will to create whatever conditions we want, as long as we're operating within the parameters of natural law. What we want to do is break all the parameters of natural law and still think that we can operate somehow freely in this realm, and that's impossible. You operate within natural law, and then you can make whatever you want here. You don't operate within the parameters of natural law. You yourself, as a society, collectively, are building a prison for yourself. And that's what we're doing. That doesn't mean that that prison is eternal and it must be that way. You change your mind, then you change your behavior, and then you can create a different manifestation. And that's possible. Possible. Again, we're talking about possibility here as part of this positive, true positive thinking solution to understand what's possible. Now, that's not saying that you know what will be chosen. I don't think anybody definitively knows what will be chosen. We could look at general trends and, and extrapolate from the general trend. And if you're going to do that, I can understand how your attitude might not be so good because it doesn't look like from the general trend that many people are really waking up and certainly not waking up in any level of fullness. But that doesn't mean it isn't possible. It can happen. Are people going to stay attached through their free will, stay attached to illusion? See, that's what we have a free will to do. We have a free will to engage in reality and therefore learn about natural law and prosper and create any manifestation we so desire. Or we can continue to stay in illusion, to, to, to use our free will to, to stay engaged in things that absolutely aren't true and are based in lies, deception, misunderstanding, and complete falsehood. And then we're going to build, continue to generate 
through our thoughts, emotions, and, and actions, ultimately, we're going to generate a prison of our own design. And we're going to stay there for as long as we continue to engage in that illusion. The difference here is in what I'm talking about true positive thinking is knowing that that's always created by us and is never an eternal quality of the universe or an eternal um, you know, law of creation that must remain that way. It is not natural law that this place is a prison. It is the current condition that this place is a prison because we made it like that. And that's, as far as I'm concerned, the most positive thing that you could ever know, come to a full understanding of. Because that means that you're not being tortured eternally just for the hell of it, just for the sake of it, uh, just for the hell of it, pun intended, okay? You're, we're all collectively creating this manifested outcome because most of us are in the um, mental state of wanting to stay in that illusion because it's comfortable there. And th that's not something that can't be changed. It is something that can be changed. But you people have to provide a support system for that level of change to help someone to acquire intelligence, to help someone to revivify their care because their care is largely dead and we have to resurrect care to bring it back out of the tomb that it is in. Bring somebody's heart back to life so that they start caring about what is going on and ultimately to resurrect right action in the world. But that's not going to be done if people continuously believe that they're going to, that, that, that change is impossible. And that this idea of we are this way eternally and it must be this way eternally. I don't, you know, I almost don't even want to hear that coming out of people's mouth unless it's connected to natural law. When it comes to natural law, you can say it is this way eternally. And you're making an accurate statement. Blank, you can make a blanket statement if you have the fundamentals of natural law understood properly and say, it is this way eternally. See, this is what goes back, I, I've alluded to it on past shows. Um, there's a prayer in the Christian faith, uh, uh, I believe it's called the Prayer of St. Francis, that talks about having the courage or uh, the wisdom to know what is possible to change and what is not possible to change. I don't have the exact words uh, in front of me, but it's like knowing what is possible to change and what's not, and the wisdom to know the difference between those two things. You know, that's very, very powerful knowledge. What can be changed is the current condition because it's based upon our free will choices. What cannot be changed is natural law because that's not made by man. That's not put forward by man. That is a eternal condition of the universe. These are the boundary conditions of the entire universe that we're living in. So, you know, talking about what's possible to change, we also have to know what's not possible to change. But the human condition is not one of those things that's impossible to change. It's just exceedingly difficult to change it because of the level of comfort of attachment to illusion that humanity has worked itself in. So to many it can seem impossible, but it is not. The reason they think it's impossible is they think that not enough people can ever develop that will. And again, here's where will 
can and will diverge, okay? We have to also understand that this is a matter of willpower to create change, all right? And knowing that we have to assist in the development of that willpower. We have to be like strength trainers, you know, like people who help people in a gym. The people who know the truth, you could look at it as their personal trainers, but they're personal trainers for the aspects of consciousness. They're personal trainers to help people come into true intelligence, to help people to develop true care and get out of their apathy. They're trainers to help people develop courage and willpower to then go out and themselves affect change in the world and become a change agent. So that's a difficult job. It's the most difficult job. That's why so few people really want to get engaged in it and stay engaged in it. You have a lot of people that want to skirt the periphery of this and say a few things to a few people, and then, oh, when they encounter some resistance and I don't want to hear it, then they just back off. And that's going back to sleep, folks. That's what that is. That's just going right back to sleep. All right? Because if you're not actively continuing to attempt to influence change, there's no power in your actions. You knowing is practically meaningless. It's not meaningless, but I say practically meaningless because if you don't do anything with knowledge and understanding, what's the point of having it? You might as well be one of the ignorant, asleep sheeple, as people call them. The, the point here is using the will to put forward what you have come to know. And part of the problem is, you know, there's a lot of people who are putting out stuff that isn't true and think that it's their responsibility to put it out there. And they haven't even vetted the material enough. You know, and, and a lot of these people are, you know, putting out things that are very negative, destructive, and based on complete misinformation as well. And some people are well-intended and believe that they're putting out the truth. Again, the new age aspect is one of those things. Th this notion that, oh, never look at the negative, you know, or you'll draw it to you. You hear that from so many well-meaning people. It doesn't mean they're all agents of disinformation, but they could have grafted that belief, you know, taken it into themselves and, you know, grafted it onto their worldview, and now they're just propagating it because they've accepted it. It doesn't mean that they're evil. You know, they're, they've been misguided by something, and they believe what they're doing is right, you know? So we, we have to, again, make that... Uh, that uh, distinguishing between someone who is d deliberately and in full knowing putting out bad information and then someone else who, you know, happened to look at it and say, well, I could get behind that. I, I could accept that as being true and is just putting it out there because they think they're going to help somebody else with it, which is true for the majority of the New Age movement. I'm not saying all of those people who put out that info regarding not looking at the negative are evil people. But I guarantee you who originally injected that into the whole movement had a plan in, in mind and did that by design, knowing that it would get picked up by people with positive intent and propagated. And it has been tremendously propagated. And I'll tell you what we're going to do to one of the things the, the Free Your Mind organizers are going to do is we're going to the big New Age Expo coming up 
here in Philadelphia, the Mind, Body, Spirit Expo, and we're going to promote the living hell out of the Free Your Mind 2 conference there and engage all of these New Agers and say, do you know what's really going on in the world? Are you just lost in your meditative trance mind mode, you know, and not really looking at what's truly taking place around you, you know, because that's what most of these New Agers are all about. They're all about just feeling good. It's a drug to them. It's a drug to them. It's just about feeling good, being in a community that's uplifting for them, and the suffering of other people is their own problem. And that's largely true. I'm not saying that as a blanket statement. Not everybody in the New Age movement feels that, that way. But to be quite honest about it, that is largely the case. Okay, so I'm making a generalization there, and that generalization largely holds true. The New Age movement is misguided in the, in the aspect that they put forward these, this false teaching of what positive thinking is all about. What, one of the aspects that I cover that also differs from classic New Age teachings on positive thinking is not only about how it differs from what can be changed and what will change, and being honest about that, but also looking at this from a perspective of illness, that the people who do not have an understanding of true freedom, who do not have an understanding of rights, who do not understanding have, have an understanding or knowledge of right and wrong, or a developed conscience, in other words, and who do not understand anything about how natural law works and our free will decisions works in conjunction with natural law to bring us the manifested reality that we must then experience, those without any of this knowledge, we can't look at them as just evil. We have to look at them as ill. This is illness. They're, they're broken in many ways, but not irreparably broken. But they are broken. See, the word broken is an interesting term. Because we use the word broken when something doesn't work. When it doesn't work properly, it's broken. But we also use the word broken to mean someone, some, a being that has accepted their bondage. So when a horse is broken, okay, that means they are now accepting that they're a work animal. That they're a slave to the, to the farmer or the rancher or whoever who broke them. So this analogy, this um, wordplay here holds very accurate. The people who we're trying to help are technically broken. Their consciousness is broken. They're a fragmented individual. They are dismembered. They are torn apart internally. They don't have an integrated consciousness. Their thought Thoughts, emotions, and actions are all over the place. They don't have real intelligence. They don't have care. They're drowning in apathy. Their worldview is completely shattered and drenched, drowning in illusion. And they have accepted that this is just the way that it is and it can never be changed. Totally poisoned worldview. These people who I'm talking about are ill. They're broken. They're ill. Their consciousness is sick. And as a holistic being, as the total being is very sick. So part of true positive thinking is not treating these people as simply bad and evil 
And that's another thing I often wrestle with, believe it or not. While I know this fully, I hear some of the statements that come out of people's mouth and I just think, wow, you're totally given over to evil. You know, you are evil. Maybe you're the essence of evil yourself that's just in a human body. I think that all the time about people. I think that about members of my own family a lot of the time, to be quite honest. I hear things that come out of my own family member's mouth and I think, wow, you are just the essence of, of evil because they're so brainwashed and their worldview is so sick and poisoned. I have to consciously try to force myself to remember this person is just damaged and broken. And, and I, that's a very harsh way of putting it, but a very accurate way of putting it. They're a damaged being. They're broken. They're beaten up and crushed. Their soul is just crushed. In so many different ways, it would take a long time to list them all. And that's a sad, sad, sad thing. It's a sad state of affairs. But what I'm trying to say here is part of true positive thinking, you, you have to try to disengage the, the passion and the um, uh, emotional aspect to this when you're looking at other people. And you have to look at it from a, a perspective that is pulled back a little bit and is dispassionate from the perspective of getting angry at these people. And again, this is why I started with this aspect is because I struggle with all of this the most, as I've already said. I struggle with looking on the positive side and I struggle with looking at these people as simply broken and ill and misguided and under mind control. But that is the case. I do know that that's the case. I understand why that's been done. Have I converted that total knowledge of that being the case and the understanding of how it's been done and why they are like that to wisdom yet in this regard and I'd have to honestly assess myself and say no I have not because I get so angry with these people that I almost go back to the same eugenics worldview of the dark occultists and think they all just need to go constantly and you know I understand why some of these dark occultists who are a billion times more intellectually advanced, I, and I notice I did not use the word intelligent, a billion times more left brain intellectual in their capacity to understand things uh, than the average human being is, I understand why they would want to do away with 95% of the world's population most of the time. That doesn't mean I agree with their agenda to actually do it. I think people can, can change. I didn't say they definitely will. They can change if the proper information is put before them and the poison stream of information is, is dispelled from going into their mind, going into their eyes and ears and therefore into the mind. And, there, and also the poison that's going into the body is quelled. See, the part of the reason people are so slow to accept the truth is because they're not only mentally and spiritually broken, most of the time they're physically broken. They have damaged brains, literal damaged brains. Their brains are so messed up, they can't focus on anything. I mean, I know members of my own family that cannot have a conversation that is in any way directed or focused for more than two, two minutes tops, tops. And they have to go start looking at things in the physical environment, playing with, you know, 
some type of physical toy or piece of technology or go and perf- do, do an, uh, uh, an actual behavior or activity someplace, but to sit and talk, which is what we're going to talk about in the second hour. We're going to talk about conversation as being a big part of the solution. To have them sit and engage in anything that requires the mind or thinking about anything in any kind of a deep level for any amount of time, forget it. And that, that is a sign of brain damage. Physical, literal brain damage. I can't stress that enough. That means that this person has not used the aspects of the brain for attention on any kind of abstract thinking for so long that that aspect, that part of the brain is actually atrophied. And if you looked at the brain in an advanced scan, like a SPECT scan or something like that, it would show that the parts of the brain that deal with that level of thinking are not firing. The neurons in that part of the brain are actually have been become deadened. And it would require small efforts over long periods of time to constantly go and re-engage that person's brain, to, to get them, draw them into conversation and hold them there, make them pay attention for a little bit longer and a little bit longer and a little bit longer. You know how hard work that is to do? And people say, oh, that's not your responsibility. Bullshit. That's what I say back to that. It is your responsibility to do that if you know the truth. It is. See, I'll, you know, I, I should just I should just drop names here in in saying some people in the actual new age community, quote unquote. I'm not going to even do that. I've talked to people personally at book signings and and lectures and things like that, and asked them about this. Well, once you come to understand the truth. Shouldn't we be developing methods, methodologies of engagement for other people who are still asleep? After all, they're affecting everybody else's freedom. They're affecting the state of affairs. And I've heard back from some of these people sitting there signing books and getting thousands of dollars to make appearances, multiple thousands of dollars to make appearances. Oh, that's not our responsibility. We only need to concern ourselves with ourselves. And once again, I call bullshit on that, okay? Because that is not what it is all about. It is not about just you knowing and changing yourself and then saying, I'm okay, so screw everybody else. And anybody out there in the New Age movement that's putting that out there is a deceiver. It is about using that knowledge in full responsibility to take it to others to help them to affect the change of themselves as well. Okay, folks, we're back after the station break at the top of the hour. This is the second hour of today's What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We're talking about solutions in the form of the power of true positive thinking and how that differs from the New Age notion of positive thinking and talking about the responsibility to teach others, which I was just bridging into as part of uh, that, that segue at the end of the last hour. So many people within certain New Age circles also have accepted that it's only about changing yourself. Well, 
the dynamic of the total change that could possibly happen on a societal scale is about changing oneself. But how do you think that that's going to be possible if you're not putting information out there into the world to influence that change? And it is about making people pay attention to it by putting it out there in such a way that it cannot be ignored. See, that's the problem. We're still so fringe and our numbers are so small that people can just ignore it and say, well, oh, this is the other thing that that people who don't want to accept reality always talk about. And I, I get crazy when I hear them say this. Oh, how many people think like that? As if that makes a difference, as if it matters, the number of people that are, are saying something as if that has anything whatsoever to do with whether something is true or not. I ask people all the time, if 7 billion people are repeating a lie, does that suddenly make it a truth? No, it just means 7 billion people have accepted a lie and don't know what the truth is regarding that thing. But the lie remains a lie. And if only one person speaks a truth and 7 billion other people think he's crazy, does that suddenly make it not true? No, of course not. If one person speaks a a truth, and it is true, it remains true regardless of how many people reject it. The truth remains the truth, even if no one accepts it. And a lie will remain a lie even if everyone accepts it. And people have to understand that. And, And, you know, this is what you hear a lot of times with these closed down people. They, because they have no confidence or faith in themselves to be able to recognize truth from deception, and they just want to graft on the numbers of people. Well, if this is the status quo and more people think this than, than other people, then that must be the truth, when in fact nothing could be farther from being true. As a matter of fact, the more generally accepted something is, you can almost guarantee there's some aspect of falsehood and deception within it. But... True common sense is what we're trying to develop here. People being aligned with what actually is. And once you have acquired that in yourself and you know that that's the case, you don't just believe it, you know, and you know through direct experience, you can test this in your life. The quality of your life will change for the better or the worse as you test the parameters of natural law. Many people have done experiments regarding this. I, I tell people, check out the works of Richard Wetherill, who shows enormous um, uh, examples in the way of how the laws of nature uh, regarding consciousness the, uh, and right and wrong, the, the consequences of our actions, can be tested repeatedly over and over again with the same results. You know, it's a science, and science is... Um, works through a method of discovery, the scientific method that involves repeatability and uh, understanding through observation, direct observation, gnosis. Natural law is no different. Once we have acquired this understanding of how we are creating our own experience, then we inherently, by taking in that knowledge, we have also taken with, with it a responsibility. This is part of the reason so many people do not want that knowledge. They want to remain eternal children. And they want to sit back and they want to not be involved. But that's impossible. 
If you're here, you're involved. And part of our taking into taking knowledge into ourselves is the understanding that with it comes responsibility to teach others. And this is the second part of the conversation here today, which is what do we need to do to really affect change in other people? Okay. What do we need to do to fully step into our role as a teacher? Again, I'm not doing this radio show just to help make other people aware. And in that sense, I am not doing what is called horizontal integration. It has been called by many people horizontal integration. I've explained this briefly before, and I want to clarify, because so many people constantly think that my goal for this radio show is something different than what it is. They think I'm trying to reach the asleep masses, and I am not and never have been trying to do that. Okay, I am trying to reach the people who are capable of going out into society and teaching those asleep masses. In other words, what I'm trying to do, and you know, maybe some of my work will do that, and it will, somebody who's completely asleep will encounter it and wake up from it. It's possible, but that's not my intent. Okay, my intent is something somewhat different than that. And if that happens as a result, wonderful. Okay, if that happens as an ancillary uh, effect, then great. I began this show and all of the stuff that's on my website to try to identify and pull forward the people with the willpower to become a teacher of this information. So all of this that I've done so far, all the work I've put out there is not to reach the end result people. It's not to reach the people on the fringe who are totally in the matrix, quote unquote, so to speak. They're totally engulfed in the illusion. I'm trying to put, build a forum, a platform here that can help to influence people to become a teacher for this information. And therefore, instead of there being one person who's putting out some info, we have a thousand or 10,000 or a million. And then the message is everywhere. So what I'm attempting to do here is to influence someone else to step into the role of a teacher. And, you know, I in no way have ever accepted the, and will never accept the, um, appellation or tagline of leader in any form or fashion. I've said from day one, I'm no one's leader. Not I'm not going to be your leader. You have to be your own leader. Okay. But I have accepted the tagline or whatever you want to call it, the appellation of teacher, because that's what I'm doing. I'm teaching spiritual truths about how our reality, the experience of our reality is created and how we're the ones who are creating it. There's no one else here creating the experience of our reality except us. You know, aside from setting aside nature, okay, natural laws, you know, weather phenomenon, things like that, okay, that creates a part of our reality. That's the randomness aspect of our reality. But as far as um, 
the deterministic aspect of the reality, there is natural law, and then we have a free will whether to come into accordance with it or to completely, to flagrantly violate it. And therefore, that's setting another aspect of our experience. That's determining another aspect of our experience. Natural law is not negotiable, but our actions are changeable, okay? So what I'm trying to develop here is other people who know natural law well enough that, that they can then go out and teach it to other people so we stop choosing poorly, unwisely, and creating effects, creating manifestations that only lead to more self-inflicted suffering. That's the goal of this show, which I don't know if I ever really clearly stated you know, from day one. People think, oh, uh, Mark, you're trying to reach all of these people. I'm not, I'm not trying to build horizontally and reach the quote-unquote dead. One person cannot do that. Maybe a million teachers with this level of knowledge could it th disperse throughout the world. Then we'd have a real game on our hands instead of the slaughter fest that's taking place right now with people who don't have any knowledge of the, the entire workings of the game that's going on, quote-unquote game. You know, if we had a million teachers with deep understanding of natural law, maybe we'd be having an impact. Maybe we'd be putting a dent in the dominator's agenda. But, you know, so many people are still largely asleep to that aspect of things, even though they know that there's a problem. You know, they know that freedom's on the, de on the decline. But again, they're all about their freedom. They're not interested in understanding natural law. So many of them want to deny themselves that that exists and put labels on it as a religion or something. When I, I've said from day one, this has nothing to do with belief, nothing to do with religion. This is a science of how nature operates. But it is an unseen, this, these laws are largely unseen, and you only acquire knowledge about them through experience and the testing of that working of that natural law by testing it through behaviors and finding out what you'll get. In other words, an expression, just like genetics. A lot of times, the science of genetics is a hit or miss strategy. You have to do your splicing and then see what expresses in a particular culture. And then you find out what the manifestation or the expression is. Na the testing of natural law works the same way as a science of like genetic uh, manipulation. You know, you, you have to test it, see what expresses, and now you have knowledge of, you know, if you do this, then that results. Like an if-then statement. Because ultimately, folks, this is all a computer. This whole reality is a computer. You know, and natural law is the if-then statement of the programmer. If you choose to do this with free will, then you will get this manifestation or result. In that respect, this entire reality is so much like a computer program that's running. And I probably would go so far to say that it is a computer program that's running. But that's for another show. Let, let's talk about one's responsibility once you have this kind of knowledge to then communicate it to others. And I will use the term forcefully communicate it to others. Okay, not violently communicate it to others. There's a big difference. Force means you're standing within the force of truth. And you're not going to just baby spoon feed it or back off when the person 
shows you that they're going to be resistant to it. You're going to say, this is your belief right now, but you're still incorrect. There is a reality to this that doesn't involve how you be believe currently. And you're still wrong and you're still causing harm to, to yourself and others. That's When I talk to people who are asleep and are giving me a lot of resistance to what I'm saying, that's what I tell them. I don't sugarcoat it a bit. You are doing disservice to others by sugarcoating the way things are. You're keeping them babies. You're keeping them babies. Don't worry about what their sensibilities in ego are. Hammer them with the truth. Hammer them with the truth. The more you baby spoon feed them, the, the more they're going to stay attached and think that what they're doing is okay. Staying in the level of ignorance that they're staying in, believing in the uh, level of illusion that they believe in, they're going to continue to think, oh, this isn't causing any harm. That's just one person who had a quirky, weird idea, and you know, I told him I absolutely, completely believe otherwise, and now he's not saying anything to me anymore, so he just must have been a fringe nut that, you know, and I'll go back to believing what I was originally thinking. We have to cut through the signal with force. They're constantly under a bombardment of poison food and poison information. We need to cut through the signal with force. Force is going to cut through the signal. Not laying down to their ego. The ego has to be fought in this regard. It's a war. You're not going to baby spoon feed the ego out of existence. It's not going to happen that way. The ego has to be broken. Here's that word again. The person, through the process of the breaking of the ego, is going to become unbroken. They're not going to be dismembered anymore. They will be remembering their true self, putting it back together, building something that's strong. Okay? The ego is what has to be directly encountered, directly encountered. Because look, you look at it this way. If the ego isn't directly encountered, at some point there's going to be a collapse which directly encounters the ego, which is using force to break it down one way or another. I've said it before. Nature's going to solve this problem if we do not. And it can solve it in a billion different ways of its choosing, of its design, and in its time. And it's going to solve it for us if we don't do it for ourselves, Because the ego in its current rulership is going to be smashed. If it has to be done through the forces of nature, then nature will eventually do that. Because this level of rebellion is not going to be tolerated for eternity. It just will not. I suggest we encounter, we engage that force and smash the ego by, a power, by the power of our will. And that means when somebody's in a level of resistance, you have to stand forcefully in the truth and not back down. And, and, not, and be willing to use the words, you are simply wrong. You are incorrect and think you are correct. Okay? You are incorrect. Incorrect thought leads to incorrect action, which leads to incorrect results or manifestations under natural law. And there is no baby spoon-feeding way to get somebody out of that. 
You have to say, this is what you say you want, yet what you're doing is in complete contradiction to that, and therefore you're going to get the opposite. That's it. And the universe doesn't care. The universe does not care that you don't understand that. It doesn't care. The universe isn't a person who cares like you care about something. To attribute emotion to all creation in the same sense that you look at human emotion is a totally 100% flawed viewpoint to look at creation from. You have to look at creation from a perspective of a computer program. It does not care whether you as the programmer have zero knowledge of what you're doing. It's still going to spit back onto the screen, which is what your experience is, okay, what you programmed into it. Whether you're a master programmer or you're a complete drooling idiot who has no clue what you're doing banging on the keyboard, you're going to get a result that you put into it. The end. It's going to say, here's the, the input. I process it and manifest the output. And that's it. And this is what people have to do when they're teaching. Be as dispassionate and actually cold about it. You could say it's very passionate because, yeah, you're getting fired up over trying to explain to somebody how something works. But I'm talking about in engaging the ego. You're talking to the ego to try to break it down. It has the person. See, people say, well, everybody has an ego. Wrong. Everybody does not have an ego. The ego has everybody. It's exactly the other way around. Or I should say the ego has almost everybody. The, the point here is to destroy the hold that the ego has over the being. Because that's what's keeping them in that broken state. In that enslaved state. So in beginning to teach, the first thing you have to recognize is you have to be dispassionate about what someone thinks now. And simply engage it as forcefully in truth as you can. You are doing no service to somebody by giving them tiny little baby spoon. And ba In other words, what I'm saying is don't be gentle on their ego. You could be gentle with the amount that you feed them at any one given time. But if you're talking, and, and that's an important thing to distinguish, okay? Whether you're being forceful with whether the information is true or not doesn't mean that you need to be forceful with the amount that you're giving them. That I would say, okay, you can't cram so much down somebody's throat at one time that they are overloaded. I certainly didn't take in all of this information at one time. I did it over a period of years. But I, my case of the ego wasn't so deep, even being a, a priest in the church of Satan, my ego wasn't so deep that I could not recognize the truth when I was hearing it and ultimately admit that I was wrong. The problem is I was a mild case of how much the ego had me compared to where most people are at. Most people, the ego has them so fully and totally that you can barely see the light at the end of the tunnel, a pinprick of light coming through from the, the box that the ego has them in. So you can't try to give it all to somebody at one time. But what I'm, I am telling somebody to do is stay forceful in speaking the truth and don't back down when their ego, when the ego responds. You have to recognize that's not the being responding. The ego still has the being. It's the ego responding. You're talking to a program that is running. 
that has the being and has broken it to its will so that that being can never see outside of its parameters, its programming. So let's look at the power of words in this regard because that's what teaching is all about. That What we're talking about here is all about the power of words. Words. Okay, The universe is spoken into existence. The universe is spoken into existence. That's how creation is done, through word, the logos, the power of the word. Someone who I consider a teacher, Terence McKenna, once said that the, the world is made of words, and if we know the words the world is made of, that we can make of it whatever we wish. Extremely powerful and poignant if you know what it means. If you know what it means, what is the power of the word? The word reached me through other teachers. I put their information together, amal completely amalgamated it all, you know, accrued it, assembled it, put it together, and saw the big picture. If it wasn't for all of those people putting forward the word, their words, I could not have helped, I could not have changed myself. They were alchemists in my alchemical awakening in that process. Just like you have to be, have to strive to be that alchemist or that assistant in the awakening process for another person. And I say to people every day, if I had more help, this process would go faster. All of the alchemists in the world, they need more help. This is the clarion call. The trumpet blaring to come forward and be a teacher. You knowing is not enough. You knowing is not enough. You have to teach others. That is your responsibility once you have come to a place of knowing. And you're going to encounter extreme resistance. It's the hardest work there is to do. To speak the universe into existence. To change the current conditions is the hardest work there is to do. That's why so few want to do it. That's why so few are doing it. That's why the ones who are doing it are feeling drained and with low energy because there's no one to tag out to. There's no one to tag out to. If this were common sense knowledge, you, know, you, you ever hear the, the phrase, many hands make light work? That's what we're talking about here. There's so few people who know and are speaking the truth in their responsibility that it's a burden at this time and place to, to even do it. I look at it as probably souls who are coming in here with a lot of spiritual knowledge are thinking, why would I want to go in there? Hardly anybody's helping. That means all the weight's going to be on my back. And that's the case on earth. The world is, is plunged in darkness and most people don't want to help to enlighten it. You know, like Carl Jung said, enlightenment is not imagining figures of light, but it is making the darkness conscious, making it conscious through constant effort. That's what real alchemy is. Constant effort. Constant effort. Not just saying, oh, well, he doesn't want to hear it and that's it, I'm done with him. No. Continue to speak it. If no one is, is willing to hear it, 
doesn't matter. We are charged with speaking the truth into creation. That is our charge as teachers. For those who are listening and thinking about, you know, uh, the attempt at this work to begin to try, that's who I'm trying to reach and to build horizontal integration. We need more people who are fully awake, not a whole bunch of people who are half-ass awake. That's not going to help anybody. We need fully awake people. Even if you're not perfect, no one is perfect. You're, you're engaging in a pipe dream thinking you're going to have to reach some kind of spiritual perfection that doesn't exist before you start saying a word to anybody. One of my biggest laments is I waited as long as I did to start doing what I do because I knew it for years before I started speaking it. But I wanted to get better. I wanted to improve myself even more and more and more and, and not begin, you know, actually putting information out there. I wanted to vet the information enough that I knew I wasn't going to be doing harm by putting it out there. And I, I almost look at it as it was a bad decision in some ways because I feel I waited too long to even begin. We need more teachers that are fully conscious to come out there and start working with others. That's what our work is. Our work is not just to work on ourselves. That's the beginning. Anybody that's telling you that's the be-all and end-all is either a liar, a deceiver, or a useful idiot. That's the beginning of the process. Working with others is where it needs to go. So, what is required in that process? Well, I call this, I have a simple catchphrase. The three R's will lead to the three C's, okay? The three R's that lead to the three C's, okay? And if you want to then take it further, ultimately, the big A, okay? That's what we're going to talk about here. We're going to talk about seven words in a seven-step process, which is what becoming a teacher is all about. And this is respect, remembrance, responsibility, conscience, conversion, conviction, and atonement. And the power of these words when we break them down. People have obviously heard all of those words, but many people don't even know what they mean, even from an etymological perspective, from the perspective of the roots of these words and their origins in language. Where do, they come, where do these English language words come from? Well, we've talked about respect a lot on the show, and this is the first thing one ultimately needs. Again, if you don't have self-respect, you can't begin to teach others, because that means you can't possibly have any respect for them, for the student. While I'm not advocating being non-harsh on the student, or in other words, baby spoon feeding them the truth, that doesn't mean you don't have respect for them. And what I mean by respect is true respect. It comes from the Latin language. Re is a prefix in Latin that means again. And now we're, we're on image number seven in the slideshow on the website or with the podcast. The word re, the prefix re in Latin means again. And the second part of respect, spect, comes from the Latin verb spectare, specto spectare, which means to look at. So you put them together, and respect sim simply means to look at again, to take another look at, to re-examine. Well, what are you re-examining that means the true development of respect? You're re-examining the self. You're taking another look at yourself. 
That's what true respect is, to look again at yourself. It comes, it's right in the word. The meaning is right in the word. You just have to know where the word came from in ancient languages. So real respect means you've taken a look at the truth, you've taken another look at yourself, whether you're in alignment with that truth or not, and now you're working with yourself to bring yourself into alignment and accord with that truth. That's real respect. So unless you're embodying the truth, you don't really have true self-respect. If you're not living the truth in your own life, I would suggest don't try to become a teacher because that means ultimately you're hypocritical and somebody else is going to look at your actions and say, well, you're not doing this. How do you expect me to do it? You know, the old phrase of the Buddha, you know, a child being brought to him after a long trek and the parent saying, my child keeps eating candy that's no good for him. Uh, can you please ex explain to him why that's bad and to uh, tell him to stop doing it? And the Buddha says, well, I can't do that. You'll have to come back in a month. And he goes, I just made a huge journey across hundreds of miles to, to have an audience with you, and you're telling me to come back in a month? Yes, you'll have to come back in a month. The man comes back with the child in a month and says, the Buddha says immediately, child, stop eating that candy that's no good for you and is doing harm to your body. And the guy says, why couldn't you just do that before? And he says, because I was still eating that, and I couldn't tell him to do it when I was still doing it because I'd be a hypocrite. So this is what I'm talking about. If you have true self-respect, your actions are not going to be in contra contradiction with your thoughts and emotions. And therefore, you're going to be really effective. You'd be ineffective as a teacher if you don't have that level of true self-respect. You'll be the most effective as a teacher if you truly have taken another look at yourself and then corrected those actions within yourself. The next R is remembrance. Okay, and one more thing about respect. People think respect is something that you give to someone else. It is not. It is something that you develop within the self. That's what real respect is. So then you can see the aspect of the divine in someone else and treat them accordingly as you would treat yourself. That's what offering self-respect is. It doesn't, it doesn't, isn't something, you can't give something to someone else that you don't first have not acquired yourself. You can't give someone a cake unless you have it first. You have to have it in order to give it. So you have to have respect in order to give respect. This is where people confuse the, the actual meaning of the term. So the second term is remembrance. Uh, we talked about being broken. Most people are broken. They're disassembled. They are dismembered. Their consciousness is fragmented. It's all over the place. We're largely, as humanity, fragmented beings. Our thoughts, emotions, and actions are not aligned. They are not, un they are not unified. Excuse me. They are not unified. Okay? They are completely separated. They are broken down. They are in contradiction with each other and they are dismembered. Dismembered means torn apart, ripped up, broken up. Okay? The um, process of remembering means to bring back together. You are putting the pieces together, not only of the truth, but of your own consciousness. You're bringing together all of the aspects of the self and you're putting it all back together. Okay, like pieces of a puzzle that have been scattered all over the place. That's what we need to do with ourselves once we have developed re respect. There is a process in this. It is a it is a stepwise linear process. Respect has to come first 
in aspirations for one being a teacher for this information to others. I'm not saying these are hard and fast rules. These are, I would consider these general guidelines. I'm not the authority on this, okay? I would say that I'm putting forward some general guidelines that will help people. This is, the understanding of this helped me when I was getting ready to come forward and start speaking, okay? So I feel if it helped me, it can help other people. And it has held true to this day. So remembrance means you've truly remembered who you are. You're not engaged in the world. You're, you're in the world, but not of it. You're not engaged from a five-sense perspective only or a left-brain perspective only. If that's the case, you haven't really remembered. You haven't truly be, been reminded of who you are. That's what remembering is. It's a reminder, like an alarm going off, okay? We have to be reminded, which is also, think about it, reminded to reacquire the mind, Okay, to put the mind back together, getting a new mind. People say, well, what can I do? The first thing you need to do is change your thoughts. You need a new mind, a new perspective on everything in life, a whole new worldview. If you don't have that, that new healed worldview, if you have not been reminded, then you're not truly remembered. You're not put back together yet. There's parts of you that are still broken. And then going and spreading that to other people is going to have a poisonous or deleterious effect upon them. You're not really assisting in the alchemical process. So we have to make sure that we have true self-respect developed within ourselves and that we have truly remembered that which we are as a being that is within all consciousness, that is an aspect of all eternal consciousness and is not just a five sense being. We're having the expression or the experience of being a five sense being, but we are ultimately a spiritual being. And being reminded, the process of remembering is about, is about developing a new mind from the old poisoned worldview mind to a new healed worldview mind. And if that's not the case, like I said, we're going to be doing a disservice to others when we start bringing this information to them. It doesn't, again, mean that you can't have any harsh words for others or tell them that they just have their head up their ass when they need to just hear that because that's the case with many people. With many people, they're just completely wrong, brainwashed, and totally have their head up their ass. To be quite frank, harsh, and honest about it, that's the case. You know, I'm not trying to tell people everybody is in a great place and this is going to be easy work. You're going to practically be trying practically be trying to do what is have been, has been considered throughout the ages to be practically impossible it's n it's not impossible see that's part of healing the world view recognizing that it's possible to do but we just need more help in doing it we need to awaken more teachers only until more teachers are awakened are we going to ever reach the masses the amount of teachers in the world is not sufficient to awaken the masses of sleeping cattle let me just say that again. The amount of teachers currently present in the world who are fully awake is not sufficient to awaken the hordes of sleeping cattle that exist on the earth. It's, impo it's impossible from where we're at now. What, what we need to do is awaken more teachers to the, to the extreme level of awakening, the totality of it. Then it will become possible and we will start making a dent and an impact on the, the masses, quote-unquote.
That's what, that's what the goal of this show, again, has been, to try to remind the, the, the potential teachers who are here that this is their responsibility, which brings us to the next thing, true responsibility and what it is. This is slide number nine. True responsibility means fully owning everything that we do, fully owning our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions, and what we're putting out into the world that's going to lead to a manifestation. And that means that we are taking 100% full ownership of our inherent ability to respond to a given situation within the parameters of natural law. And I'll, I'll say that again. We're, we're taking full ownership of our inherent ability as a human being to respond in the world to any given situation within the parameters of natural law. That's what responsibility is. It's response-ability. You know, just because the end phrase is response-ability, okay, it, it's just a way of making a verb into a noun. Response, responsible, responsibility. You know, an adjective and then a noun. Response, responsible, responsibility. Well, being responsible, having responsibility, we're really saying the response ability with an A. It's our ability to respond within the parameters of natural law. And this is what the control system wants to usurp from us and say, oh, you're not responsible. We're the responsible ones and you'll do what we say to do and not do what we say that you may not do. You know, they want to take that away from people. And that's why we have such an irresponsible society. People have believed in their claim that we're the responsible ones as the, quote, government, you know, and the, quote, authorities, and we'll be responsible, and everybody else is just children, and we're the parents taking care of the children. And we wonder why, when billions of people have accepted that lie, we wonder why there's so few truly responsible, responsible people in the world. True responsibility is about owning your actions. It's about not ha having, um, not engaging in cop-outs, okay, and saying, oh, well, I'm doing harm, but it was only my job to do it. I was told it was okay. No cop-outs. Take full ownership of your behavior. If you're causing harm with your behavior, take the apophatic approach and stop doing it. Say no. And that's what most people refuse to do. They're so afraid of the consequences for stopping doing an action that they're already doing that is causing harm. Well, we have to get out of that level of fear and say, I'm not going to be made to engage in a behavior that is causing harm to another person. And I'm going to stop doing it. I don't care if I starve to death in the street, I'm going to stop doing it. I'm not going to give a dime, a penny, an iota of energy to someone to go and wage war. I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm not going to give one iota of energy to a system that is enslaving me and everybody else and is willing to um, usurp somebody else's natural rights. You're not, you're going to have to kill me, but then you'll have a body to clean up, but I'm not going to cooperate with your agenda in any form or fashion. Uh, and people want to turn that around and say, well, because you eat you're somehow involved in that because, oh, you know, there, you know, there may be taxes on this food item or that food item. Look, I'm talking about 
Hell, it is within your ability to pull back from the system and still be in the world. In the world, not of the world. That doesn't mean that because I want to teach people what's really going on, I can't interact in any form in society. I'd have to go live in the forest or something. This is what some lunatics actually believe not cooperating with the system is. And here's another big crock of bullshit, if I may say so myself, that people actually believe, well, if you want to live free and you want to you know, maintain the ability and not be uh, a hypocrite, then you need to go live in the forest away from society. Well, you know what? You could take that whole nonsense and cram it where the sun doesn't shine, okay? Because I have the right to be in society and eat Okay, they're, they're my natural rights. That, and that's where I'm going to engage the people with information. I'm not going to engage them in the forest someplace. So nobody's going to tell me because I have views that are in accordance with truth and natural law and just because they differ from the brainwashed cattle that I'm not going to stay in society, be able to eat, be able to protect myself from the elements and be able to speak the truth to other people. So again, you could take that and cram it where, where you know where. Okay. The attitude of if you don't agree with the people who run the society now, and you or quote unquote you're a hypocrite because you live in a, in a house or that you eat food uh, because you can't one hundred percent pull back. I'm going to pull back from cooperating with the system with whatever is within my ability to do. Maybe even if it means I end up on the street, and then I'll speak the truth from the street. If I had to, I currently live in a place that is made possible by someone, someone else helping me and being able to, and, and supporting my work. Otherwise I probably would already be in the street. But the point here is don't tell me I need to go live in the street or I need to go live in the woods someplace to speak the truth. All right. That, that is not what I'm talking about here as far as, uh, uh, pulling back from the system, okay? Pulling back from the system, I'm talking about stop complying with all of the ways that are clearly in opposition to someone else's natural law rights. Stop working for the government. Stop working for the police. Stop working for the military. If you're involved in, in that in any capacity, you can't be truly reminded or remembered, you are still torn apart in some form or fashion, and you're still ultimately complying with the system. So true responsibility is owning that action and saying, I'm not going to do it anymore. I know that this is my action, and you're not going to use it for this purpose. I know what the real purpose is, and I'm going to stop doing it, even if it means in the short term I may suffer. That's what real taking full ownership of your responsibility is all about. Now, let's look at the three C's, which is what these three R's, if we put together these three R's, the res respect, remembrance, and responsibility, into effect in our lives, what it's going to lead to is the three things that are ultimately necessary for the manifestation of true awakening in the population and true healing. In other words, the true solution, the real solution that is really going to create lasting positive change for the betterment of everyone in our world and the reestablishing of our natural rights and true freedom 
is conscience, conversion, and conviction. It all starts with conscience. If you have developed self-respect, truly remembered who you are, and owned your own personal responsibility, you are going to come into the full expression of conscience, the definitive knowledge of the objective difference between right and wrong. Knowledge is what conscience is. Okay, It comes from the Latin language con, a prefix meaning together, and scio, sciere, meaning to know or to understand. To know or to understand. Putting those together, and we're on slide number 10 now, we get to know together or to understand together. That's what conscience is. Conscience is common sense. It's common sense knowledge of the difference between right and wrong. Many people don't understand conscience as knowledge or as understanding. They think of it as action. The exercise of your conscience is action that is in accordance with your conscience, that is in accordance with natural law, in accordance with the laws of right and wrong. So conscience is the understanding. The application of conscience is wisdom. All right, conscience is the knowledge and understanding, and then putting that into practice in one's life, which make, turns it into wisdom, is the exercise of one con one's conscience. So that's what conscience is about, and that has to be the first thing that is like fully developed. This is what, if that's fully developed in ourself, then we're going to be able to take that development to other people and make them, and help them to make themselves into a being that is aw awake in that respect and has developed conscience or common sense knowledge and is then practicing that in their life through applying it, through exercising right action. The second C is creating a conversion. And the reason it's number two is because nothing, the true change cannot be made without conscience first being in place. Okay? The conversion is the change that we're ultimately looking for. The change that we want to create comes from the Latin language also. It comes from con, which means together, as we saw in conscience, and ver the verb verso versare, which means to change. Versare means to change in Latin. So what we're looking to create is the great change, the conversion, the worldview shift, the paradigm shift, as they call it in certain uh, circles, okay? The complete change in one's, in the collective worldview of humanity and ultimately then the behaviors of humanity to bring those behaviors into accordance with natural law parameters. Conversion comes from Latin. It means to change together. Conversare, to change together. Okay, so creating a conversion a mass change. See, people look at this as a religious word. Well, he had a conversion. This is only a, one connotation of the word. We're trying to create a conversion together, a conversion not to any religion, but a conversion to the truth that is beyond all religion. Religion is what's holding us back from the truth, from the Latin relig religare, meaning to hold back, to tie back to thwart from forward progress. The, the real conversion is going to take us out of the religion, the things that hold us back. You know, and in the, the sense of the, the true 
meaning of religion, the, the positive connotation of the term, religare can mean to reunite with, to retie to the truth and to the light, to reunite with the truth. That's what a real conversion is going to bring about, reuniting us with the truth, with God, if you will. So conversion is what we're trying to create, a mass change, change all changing together for the better. And that is made possible through conversation, the power of the word. This is why these words are almost identical, conversion, conversation. Look, break them down in green language terms, in alchemical green language, conversion. Con means together, verso versari means to change, conversion, converse, I on, converse, I on. When the I goes on, there's a great change together. There's a change that's happening together, the I on, okay? Or you could look at it as changing the I on together, changing the all-seeing I that exists within all of us, the spark of the divine, turning that on, you know, the idea of the awakened all-seeing I being the full expression of consciousness, awake within the individual. Look at the word conversation, conversare, at I on, converse at I on. It's right in the word, folks, right in the word. All you got to do is break it down to change together at the I on, at the third eye, at the place of spiritual understanding, spiritual awakening. That's what a conversation makes possible. Unless you're willing to talk to other people and forcefully stand in your truth and help to get them to an accurate understanding of what's really taking place and in the spiritual laws of creation that we're operating within, whether we understand it or not. We need to converse in order to do that, to have a conversation with others. The universe is spoken into existence. The reason that the bad guys are winning, folks, is because they're engaging in the word. Their signal is always bombarding people. 24 hours a day, I go into anybody's house in my family who is asleep, guaranteed that television is on and blaring, and more often times than not, it's on a channel that's on the propaganda news. Almost guaranteed every time. Their signal is always on. And until we can cut into that signal and stop it from reaching the brains of other people, we're not getting out of this cage. And that's our task, to override that signal with a, a, a trumpet blare of truth that is so loud that it drowns out that poison signal. That's how many people we need speaking the truth, that they can't get away from it. That's what I mean when I say force. That everywhere they go, they're going to see the truth. Heard, they're going to hear it. They're going to see it. It's going to be being spoken in their presence. And, and pe people say to me, this is all you do, Mark. You don't do anything else. They look at it as, can't you see that that's in, uh, not balanced? Yes, I can see that. What do you think I'm trying to do with this show? I want to be able to tag out. I want more people at the level of knowledge as me and with the willpower that I have to teach this. I don't have that opportunity. I don't have that comfort. There, there isn't that, uh, well, there's a million other people that got this thing. That's not present. 
So I can't afford to just stop doing it. And you know what? I have a problem with that. You know, if I told you I didn't have a problem with that, I'd be lying. I don't like it the way it is. It's it's a burden. I've said this a million times. L many hands make lighter work. Do we have enough people? No. So there is an incredible weight upon the people who do truly understand this. All of this information. And the call is going out that if you understand it, you got to stand in your truth and deal with the people who don't. That's what our work is. That's the great work, in case you haven't figured it out yet. It isn't about just knowing and saying, I'm okay, or I'm going to try to escape, or I'm going to try to make my nice little comfortable hovel someplace and go bury myself in it. If that's your attitude, you don't understand anything. It's about engaging the darkness and making it into the light. And that's the hardest work there is to do, ladies and gentlemen. And that's why so few people are doing it. But if we do it and we're successful in that great change, we would come to slide number 12, which is conviction. And again, just break down the word. You know, this is part of why they want to say, they, part of why the, the uh, controllers use the word convict meaning for meaning someone in a prison. This is the inversion of green language. They know what convict really means. So they, want, they use that term deliberately to represent a prisoner. Someone who stands convicted. But when in fact, that's what we need to have, conviction. We need to stand convicted. Why do I say that? Because I know what the word convict, conviction, actually means. It comes from the Latin, con, together. And vinco vincere, or vincho vincere, which means to win. To win. For, you know, people have heard the phrase, uh, veni, vidi, vici, or as it's really pronounced, veni, vidi, vici in Latin. I came, I saw, I conquered. I came, I saw, I won. The last part of it, vinci, comes from victory. To win. It's the verb to win in Latin, vincere. So put them together. Con, vincere, to win together. To have arrived at a place of con true conviction is to have won together. You know, they want to tell you that a, a convict or a conviction is a bad thing. Well, in the sense of it being a prisoner, that's why they're using it in that term. To take you, to have make it have a, a negative connotation in your mind. When in fact, becoming convinced... And fully knowing the truth without any doubt is where we have to get to. When we do that, then we will have won together. We will have won together. We will have arrived at a place of true conviction, which is what, what we're really saying is the, the willpower to live an honest life. The conviction that we need to develop to truly live in the parameters of truth and natural law. When we do that, when we develop the three R's, which lead to the three C's, as we've talked about on this show, ultimately we will arrive at a place of atonement. And we just need to look at this from both an etymological and green language perspective. Atonement comes from Latin, a, the prefix means to depart from or to go away from. Tonare means to make noise, to make 
uh, a, a din or a great amount of noise. And mens means mind. Atonement, to depart from making noise with the mind. To create harmony with the mind, in other words. Not disharmony, not discord, but accordance. To create accord with the mind. In other words, to become at oneness in the mind. At one mind, right in the word, atonement, at one mind. And what we really are talking about is we are at one with the mind of creation because we understand fully natural law and we are using our willpower to stand in that truth and engage it. That's all the time we have on this edition of What on Earth is Happening, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed it. I didn't have a chance to get to the phones. We'll do that next week. How about this? We'll have an all-call-in show on the power of positive thinking and the responsibility to teach others next week. Tune in then. Same time next week. I'm your host, Mark Passio. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Good night.